Hey, this is Kevin, the student pastor at Short Church Again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We strive each week to bring relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To stay up to date with what's going on at the church or to support the mission financially, head over to scog.com or download our app. I hope you enjoy the message. We are in the middle of a series called Follow Me. And what we want to do and what we want to achieve in this series, if I can find my scripture today, there we go. Um, we want to achieve, like, how do we follow Jesus? How, what are the correct behaviors in which we want to start aligning ourselves in? What do we want to chase after so we become more and 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 more, and more like Jesus? Because in the discipleship mindset of the first century, what would happen is you would pick a rabbi to go follow or the rabbi, more importantly, would pick you if you pass the tests. And he would say, come, follow me. And so when you started to follow that disciple, you started following them in everything they did. You would try to eat the way that they would eat. You would try to drink the same things that they would drink. You would have the same uh, walking patterns. You would have everything. You would model your life off of them. Right? You would, you would model everything that you do. If you uh, watch baseball at all right now, some of the guys in the World Series have really opened up their stance to kind of be kind of crazy. So if the pitcher's there, they're doing this almost when they're, and this is kind of foreign to me, but now little kids, they watch their heroes in the World Series start to bat with this open stance, and they're like, oh, well, I'm going to do that. Oh, oh, nobody, you're not that good. <laughs> so you can't do that. Let's more learn the fundamentals first, and then the, we'll, we'll go there, okay? But, but I want to, no, because why? Because they're trying to follow follow the person they're trying to emulate, right? We do this in all kinds of different ways. You see this in, um, in our relationship at our home with my nine-year-old daughter and my two-year-old daughter. She wants to be just like E. Lucy wants to be like her sissy so bad. If sissy has pink on, we're going to wear pink. If sissy has purple on, we're going to wear purple. If sissy was, you know, dyed her hair turquoise, Lucy's going to want to dye her hair turquoise. It's not going to happen, by the way. But uh, <laughs> so, at least Lucy's. Um, it's just the way it is. You guys know what, what, that, what that looks like. But that desire to want to be like someone else, um, we can transform that into trying to be like Jesus. And so as we go through this series of Follow Me, I'm going to try to start to work on ourselves in a way in which we're transforming ourselves to follow after Jesus. The major, uh, one of the major ways we do this is we got to enhance our prayer life. We have to figure out, uh, take those steps, maybe tear down the barriers that we have for prayer. Prayer has a lot of barriers in it. Sometimes we, we make up things. Oh, I can't pray. I'm not good enough to pray. Why would God want to listen to me? All these different things that happen, uh, for, for prayer life. And, but if we're going to grow with God, if we're going to learn and we're going to be more like Jesus, we probably should talk to him. Right, that's a, probably a big deal out of following him is communicating with God. And so uh, this morning we're going to delve deep into prayer and what we need to do to um, follow after Jesus in this very, very, very beautiful, personal, and powerful uh, discipline of the faith. Why don't people pray more? A couple, uh, the most popular, I guess, issues that come up. The first is they're not sure you know how to pray. Maybe you're like, I, I don't know how to hold my teeth right. Um, am I supposed to kneel? Am I supposed to stand? Am I supposed to stand on one leg? What, what is that? Can I do this prayer? I didn't read it out. You know, if you come from a different background, maybe most of the prayers that you've ever heard are recited prayers or prayers out of a prayer book. Uh, so I don't know, this whole making up my own prayer, that's kind of foreign to me. How do I do that? I, don't, I want to do it right. 
Maybe you have those questions. Second thing is you might get bored or distracted while trying to pray. Anybody ever fall asleep praying? No, right? No one, no one's ever fallen asleep on, on God. Uh, you remember when you were a teenager or maybe in college and you, you were making phone calls and you're talking to your girl or your guy and you're like, you hang up, you hang up. I just want to listen. Right. And you fall, fall asleep. No one fell asleep on their date. Right. Fall asleep on the date. It's kind of like how we do in God. Sometimes we're like, and God, could you be with us? The phone goes dead. We think maybe our requests are too small for God. Like, why would he bother with me? He's got bigger issues to deal with. Maybe it's, uh, we're not sure your prayers are going to make any difference. Like is anybody hearing this? Is it hitting a, the ceiling? Like I pray. It feels like, you know, when, <clears throat> when Tom prays, he's got a direct line to God. But when I pray, it just goes, ding, ding, you know, it comes right back like a, like a bouncy ball. But apparently when other people pray, it goes right to, to heaven's gates. Um, so maybe you feel that. Maybe that's like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this. The problem with that is it comes out of who we are. And if we're going to truly follow after Jesus, if we're going to chase after him, we, 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 kind of cut through some of these uh, excuses that we have on not praying and start opening ourselves up to this world of prayer and the, the depth in which our faith can grow, just it, it multiplies and multiplies and multiplies exponentially. And so we're going to spend some time today talking about prayer, talking about how do we position ourselves in a way in which uh, a prayers feel um, maybe more productive if that, I can use that word, it just feels more intimate. It feels more uh, like maybe this is how I'm supposed to be conducting myself in prayer. And so when we get that, we start to follow after Jesus more and more and more because no one likes to do something that feels like it's not important, right? And so if you feel like your prayers aren't important to you, you're not going to want to continue in it. So we want to really dive into to the attitude of how do I start to change the my attitude on prayer so I know that this is that important. Prayer is communicating with God. Prayer is communicating with God. If you are communicating with God, first of all, this simple sentence of prayer is communicating with God, that should make you go, ah, what? Now think about the audacity of the sentence. Prayer is communicating with God. That God loves us, loves you so much, measly, messy, nasty me, so much that he will actually listen to my voice. Do you know how crazy that is to say, to think about? And so when we start in our brains to understand the fact that we have access to God through prayer, we can come in contact with him through that, that oh my goodness, there's a God who loves me so much that he will actually listen to me whine. He wants to know about my day. He already knows it all, but he just loves to hear me talk about it. Prayer is communicating with God. Prayer matters. It matters so much because we're talking to God. Just like if you're a parent, you understand this. If you have a three or four-year-old child and they're starting to communicate, and whatever it is is so important to them, and they're trying to tell you about how important it is, you can't help but smile, right? When Lucy, my two-year-old, starts talking about Mimi, which is Missy Ma- a Minnie Mouse, Mimi, Mimi this, Mimi that, Mimi that, I can't help but just go, okay, just come here. I want to hold you. Because it's just this wonderful, intimate connection of she's just trying to communicate however she can to me. Now, on our faith level, we're 
two-year-olds in the arms of God, right? We can't begin to cognitively communicate with the creator of the universe, right? That's, we're not on the same plane, okay? But the same thing holds true is he just want, he wants that feel, he wants that out of us. We have a God who loves us so much. He's like, come on up my lap. Tell me about your day. And he's a better dad than me and you because he even cares about Pokemon cards. Right? right? He cares about the dumb thing, whatever Fortnite dance or whatever your kid's into. He's like, you know what? Tell me about your day. Because that Fortnite, that, that Pokemon cards, that's probably your work situation, right, to God. He's like, okay, whatever. You, that's, you think that's important. I could spend the world. Like, cool, dude. If that's what you want to talk about, we'll talk about that. Right, right? Do you understand how, how, how that makes it like, oh, that, that probably is a little trivial. That's okay. And there's nothing trivial because he still wants to talk to you about it. I get people ask me to pray for their pets sometimes. And uh, I'll tell you what, there is nothing more beautiful than a four or five-year-old kid saying, Pastor, could you pray for my dog? He's sick. Because of the faith that happens in that moment. Now, theologically, don't really know God doesn't care about pets that much, I don't think. But he cares about your heart, so therefore he cares about the pets. Okay. I, when my dog died, when we moved here, I cried like a baby. Cool. Yeah, I cried like a baby. I cried for my kids because they were going through that pain. But it was more of I want to share that pain with you, right? I, I don't know. I don't know how that all, that all works, but it's I want to share that pain. I want to go through that journey with you. It's it's okay. There's a completion there. There's a there's a uh, a feeling of, of just of anytime there's love, God is present in that. But when we pray, when we, we bring up these these things that might seem trivial, like a pet, or like oh, can you pray for my my spelling test tomorrow, or whatever that is, the heart of those mo- moments, right? Because then when we're dealing with Lord, my marriage is falling apart. I need to pray for that. Lord, I've got cancer. I need to pray for that. These are all these, this training of our hearts, the training of our minds, the training of our souls to bring everything, either huge things or small things into the presence of God. In all of our lives, there's nothing too small or too big that we can't trust God with in these moments. He wants to know about our days. I want to build up a training for my daughters when they come home. And they uh, snuggle up against me. Usually I'm watching Sports Center or something. And they're, they come up against me. Kendall, she doesn't talk much. Bowen can't stop him talking. But Kendall doesn't talk much. But when she starts speaking in those moments, I know I've got to listen. Everything else has to be muted. Everything else has to be taken away. Because my daughter's talking to me in, the, in, this, in these small, little, important sentences. And so if I'm listening now, when it's... Daddy, I was doing this boom clap snap thing today at school. I don't know what this is, but she's a constantly thing. Uh, maybe your daughter does that, and I'm sorry if she got it for mine. Uh, so <laughs> but uh, you know what? I'm going to pay attention because when she's 16 and some stupid boy breaks her heart, I'm going to try not to hurt him. Uh, but uh, when that happens, I still want her to have that relationship built where now I'm there to listen. Same thing happens with God. There's a reason there's this father image all the time in the scripture, okay? It's, it's the good, good father of, of holding you, of, of listening to your day. So this whole myth of something's too trivial for God or too trivial for you to bring up, it's not. God wants to know your heart on all kinds of different levels. 
So how do we do that? How do we bring our heart closer to God and then start working through that? I think uh, it's through these few things. With the correct posture, with the correct posture. I have terrible posture. causes me all kinds of pain uh, in my back. Um, uh, and maybe your posture is poor as well, and you understand what I'm saying. If you have correct posture, everything's healthier. When we have correct posture with God, everything is healthier. With gut-level honesty. Sometimes we put on airs when we start talking about prayer and we think all of a sudden we have to uh, snow God. We're trying to like sell something to God. God, I'm not that bad of a person, so you should listen to me. Like, God, dude, I, uh, I knit you together. Like I know every molecule that makes you up. You don't, what are you, what are you doing? With gut level honesty, we have to communicate with God about everything that matters to you. Everything that matters to you. God wants to know about it. And we have to pray continually. And then we also have to listen in our prayers. A lot of times we hang up too early. This posture thing, I think, is incredibly important. Um, Your posture matters more than your prose. I had fun with peas there. Your posture matters more than your prose. How you come to God with humility matters more than whatever you say. Right? If you learned how to manipulate your parents by... You know, my daughter, Kendall, we already talked about, she knows she can get whatever treat she wants if she comes up and snuggles with me for five minutes. She's going to get the cookie. Poor Bowen, he's not going to pull that off. But she's going to do it. Posture matters. The posture of humility. If you're defiant, if you're cranky, you're not going to get, you're not, the, the relationship's not being built there. All right? Same thing with God. Not that we're trying to manipulate God in any way, shape, or form, but the posture matters. How am I doing? If I'm standing before him defiant, yelling at him, cranky, Nothing's going to happen in my heart. I've already made up my mind. I'm already angry, Jared. I'm not learning, Jared. I'm not moldable. I'm not shapeable. I'm not as clay ready to be turned into the man that he wants to make me. I'm hard. And so our posture matters. I have to be ready to be molded. And that's hard. But we need to remember that we're coming before the king of the universe, not our butler. And this switch, this mindset shift in how we approach God is so dramatically important. For far too often, we come to God as a genie in a bottle. We come to God as someone that we can order around. We come to God as the waiter at our restaurant to take care of our issues. Instead, we need to come recognize we're coming into the throne room of the king of the universe. And with humility, he wants to know about our day. Um, recently at the women's conference, my wife talked a lot about, um, kind of this posture idea, how we are supposed to approach God. And so, um, I'm going to let her do some teaching today. Um, each week in this follow me series, we're doing something interesting next week. We're going to have an interview on stage. Last week we got to play with the mirror. Um, this week, Kelly is going to do a little bit of the teaching with us this morning. And so we have a video that's going to show us about that. Please take notes as my amazing wife speaks. I hope you're going to see this God. I saw this God in a new way through the creator and the sustainer. I hope this, this is a way that I have, it has transformed my prayer life. Because my prayers are typically the help this person fix that situation Help me know how to react to that person. Lord, change that person's heart. (laughs) 
help me in this area, get me that new job, if you could calm down my children, like, whatever. Just make them sleep 15 minutes longer so I can have quiet time with you, come on, I mean, whatever. That's my, this, praying through this scripture changed the way I saw prayer and the way that I saw God. Because there are times where I will get through praying through Psalms 23 and my list has disappeared because of who I see that God is. So I want to walk through this with you and show you eight different kind of personalities, I guess, of who God is. So starting at verse 1, we're in Psalm 23, six verses long. We're going to look at all of them. In verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. We're going to stop right there. There's one thing that God is for us. He's my shepherd. He leads me. He guides me. Sometimes he has to pick me up, put, him over, put me over his shoulders and carry me, especially when I'm trying to go the wrong way. But the Lord is my shepherd. He knows where the food is. He knows where the grassy areas are. I head off onto the mountain cliffs, and he is my shepherd and will help correct that. Continuing in verse 1, I have all that I need. My provider. An in-depth look was given to us by April of how he is that provider. I have all that I need because he has all that I need. Verse 2, he lets me rest in green meadows. Those green meadows I was talking to you about as my shepherd, he lets me rest there. He leads me beside peaceful streams because... He's my peace. So there's a third name of God. He's my shepherd. He's my provider. And he is my peace. Someone in this room needs to hear the fact that just because everything is doable does not mean it is sustainable. I needed to hear that. As April showed us, the things that we get aren't just for us. It's for us to give generously to the people around us. So I am passing that on to you because that has impacted the way I build my schedule. But God is my peace. And Psalms 23.2 reminds me of that. Continuing on, verse 3. He renews my strength. Just the very first line. He renews me. He is my healer. In some cases, he's the restorer of my soul, and he heals me in that area. And sometimes, yes, he is my physical healer with healing my body. My soul is way more important to him than my body. And as earthly beings, we get so caught up in the physical and with all of the medical things that go go on around us, we sometimes get caught up in the physical healings more than the soul healing. So God is our healer. The next one, the rest of verse 3. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. This is a big churchy word, righteousness. He is my righteousness. And that simply means he makes me right when I mess up. Been there. He is my righteousness. He guides me along the right paths because he knows I've taken those wrong paths. Take a wrong path tomorrow morning when I wake up. Took one today. Yesterday. He is my righteousness. He will make me right 
when I mess up, not for my glory, but bringing honor to his name, as it says in verse 3. The, uh, I think we're on what, number 6. In verse 4, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me, because God is also my constant companion. He is always there. It's hard for us to feel that. Because when we think about God, we, we want to go to a girlfriend or me, I call up my mom or my sister and kind of explain what's there, but they weren't there. So I have to go into a lot of extra detail and a lot of extra stirring inside before I finally get to the heart of what I need. God's always there. He is my constant companion through those darkest valleys, even those things you won't admit on the phone to your mom or whoever it might be for you. Next one, you, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Both of these phrases help us to know that God is our defender. The rod and the staff protect and comfort me. The staff would be the shepherd, kind of the shepherd's crook, you know, sometimes around the neck of the sheep, pulling it back in line, <laughs> defending me, protecting me from going off where I need to be. But at the same time, he's got that rod in his hand to fight off the bears that are coming after, the wolves, whatever it might be. And that following verse, sometimes we just look at the first one, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Yeah, he's my defender. But even in the start of verse 5, you prepare a feast for me, and it doesn't stop there, in the presence of my enemies. Now, this isn't to say he's going to give you that promotion and gloat it in the face of the person who you can't stand at the office. That is not at all what we're saying. We're not preaching that kind of message, are we? No. So it is just, he's like our defense attorney. He's defending for us. For against those who have wronged us. We want to have everything fixed right now. We want our own revenge. That's his job. He's the defender. The last one, the rest of verse 5. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. He is our sanctifier. Another one of these words, these big churchy words. It sanctified means that I am set apart for a specific purpose. And what this anointing with oil is referring to is in the biblical times, they would anoint the next king with oil on his head. talks about how David was chosen um, and he was, his head was anointed with oil and it was, a way, it was a, like a ceremony for him to know that this, you have a specific purpose out in front of you. And for David, it wasn't the next day he was on the throne. But he knew that his life was marked for a specific purpose of kingship that was waiting for him in the future. Our lives are the same way. We don't see ourselves as kings or queens. We see ourselves just ordinary. But we are anointed and we are set apart for some specific purpose. You have a specific purpose that I don't. We are all even in journey and transit, and we think we know, it's my purpose, I've arrived. And then when the moment that you get there, God says, oh, I got something else waiting for you. So, we've all been on that journey. For me, lately, it has been, I've arrived, I was a stay-at-home mom, we moved here, it was wonderful. My purpose 
Nope, remember that Spanish that you took back in high school and college? Not only are you going to speak Spanish, but you're going to now be a kindergarten teacher teaching in Spanish everything. Teach them sounds, letters, content, everything. But God, I don't know Spanish, and I don't have the degree that says that I can do that. God says, but I've sanctified you for this, and I'm going to make a way for you through this. I speak Spanish now. (laughs) Don't make me speak it, Paula. (laughs) You can correct all my grammar later. Yes. So so for me, my challenge, my brain right now is it's 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning, and I'm normally speaking in Spanish Monday through Friday at this time of day. So my brain is, okay, I'm in English now. Please speak in English. And I don't know sometimes when I change languages, so I apologize um, because my kids don't. But that's beside the point. Getting back to God being our sanctifier. He has a specific purpose for you. It's not speaking, it's not teaching kindergarten in Spanish. But it's something that he has waiting for you. Some of you have had those moments where you realize, this is what God had waiting for me. Don't rest in that. There's a next. This is what God has for me. And there's a next. This is what God has for me. So I know that word sanctifier isn't one that's in our everyday vocabulary. So I wanted to take a little bit longer with that one of he is our sanctifier. Let's finish out the the scripture here. The rest of verse 5 and 6 say, My cup overflows with blessings. After I realize who God is, that's when my cup is overflowing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. This, seeing God as these eight things, and it's not to say that it's eight different gods. It's one God, and he is just bigger than we can imagine. There are little pieces of him in different points. I need to see God as this. I need to see God as that. So I want you to just kind of reflect. Who do you need to see God as? There might be one that's easy for you to see him as because of the way you were raised, because of the way you were brought up. It might be easy to see him as your shepherd and guiding you or your constant companion. You knew God is there all the time. But I bet there's also at least one that's just as challenging. That it's, ooh, I'm relying on myself for that. I am not allowing God to be my provider. I'm not allowing God to be my peace. Is there peace in the midst of my chaos? And I want to close praying through these. And just to show you how this Praying through who God is changes the way we see our current situation. Because if I see God as my provider, as I, if I see God as my peace, then in the midst of that health diagnosis, it starts to fade away in the grandness of who he is. And by the time I get through these eight names sometimes, I'm like, I'm good, God. I'm good. You know what's on my heart. You know the situations of the people around me. I'm not going to be stirred up in that, but I got to do. What can I do? You fix this. Almost like the genie type of God. Okay? So would you join me in prayer, praying through who God is? Kelly let me share that this morning because she's not here. (laughs) 
She said, yeah, you can use that, but I'm not going to be there if, if I'm not there. Um, I hope you hear the posture in her voice. Uh, I shared all of that because all the, it's kind of a, it's a totally different message, but still on prayer. But I shared all that because each one of these, uh, those aspects of, of praying through Psalms 23 is all about realigning your life in the posture in which you're approaching. Now, Kelly is a control freak. Now, I'm not going to get in trouble for saying that. She is, she really likes to have control over situations. She really likes to um, know what is happening. She likes to know what the expectations are. She likes to exceed the expectations. Um, And it's also fun because I'm a control freak, and that makes for fun marriage moments. Um, but, But in that, I want you to hear that because... This posture idea, it can't be an idea of coming before God and be like, yeah, God, I got a to-do list for you, buddy. Um, if you could knock that honey-do list out real quick, that'd be great, right? But we bring that to God sometimes, and that's not how this works. King of the universe, us. Someone is higher on the pecking order than the other one, right? But we get that out of control all the time, and so consistently. Consistently reminding ourselves of the posture in which we come to the throne room, whether that's praying the different names of God, but just knowing that we come under his authority and all of that. Um, I hope that was really helpful with you. Another uh, for you, another thing that we need to do as we come into prayer is with gut level honesty, gut level honesty. God doesn't need frou-frou prayers. There's no special thing about these and thou's and I hold my tongue right and all this stuff. That's not what God wants from you. God doesn't need smoke, right? He wants gut level honesty. And some of the most powerful prayers that you can say don't even contain words. They're, oh, right? It doesn't have to be flower. You don't have to have the right uh, words to say. One of the beautiful things that happens in our men's Bible study on Monday nights is um, the first week of men's Bible study, I take all the prayer requests and I pray for them. And then after that, that's our one get out of jail free card. After that, everyone has to take one prayer request and pray for it out loud in front of the, front of the group. Now, some of you guys are like, never going to men's Bible study. Uh, right? uh, but we, we do that. I, I, we, we start to pray. And it's awesome to watch guys who maybe have never prayed out loud before and they're like, I'll do it. Okay, here we go. And it watching them develop and grow, not because they don't have to have the words right, right? No one has to, to do, no one has, there's not like a book. You're like, okay, I, if I put the prayer request here and I do this, then God's going to answer that one. Cool. Um, it's always funny because if we have a really big prayer request, people are like, ooh, I'm not good enough prayer to ha- tackle that miracle. So <laughs> give me one of the lesser ones. I'm going to take two dogs and a, um, you, you know, in your kid's uh, spelling test, but I'm not taking so-and-so's got cancer. It's, well, I'll take the small ones. Like, that's not how it works. It's gut-level honesty of saying, oh, God, oh, my heart hurts for in this moment. Daddy, will you fix it? You see the difference in that? And I think sometimes we're like, ah, I don't have the right, right words. And we try to take some weird responsibility for prayers. Like, if only we would have prayed it better. If only our command of English would have been better and we would have been more poetic, then God would have been like, you know, that was a good prayer. That's a good prayer, bud. I'm going to answer that one. Right? The eloquence doesn't matter. The heart and the posture matters. Do you hear that? Okay. 
Um, I think that that's just one of those things you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get that in your head because there's so much stress. We stress out about praying. It's just silly. You don't stress out about curling in the lap of a loved one. You don't. What else we pray about? We pray about everything that matters to you. Everything that matters to you. If it matters to you, it matters to God because God cares and loves you. That's what you pray about. Uh, You may think it's silly, but in Philippians, Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, what's everything? Everything, all things, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So pray everything. Don't be anxious about stuff. Bring it to God. Bring it to the one who can do something about it. How else do we pray? We pray continually. Now that doesn't, this means that your attitude is still always in a a state of posture to bring everything up to God. How many of us wrestle with, I'm going to do this by myself and just put it on my shoulders and I'm going to put it here and I got this. Okay, fine. I can do this. And now we're going to do it. Okay. It's heavy, but I got this. You're right. We just keep on muscling through. Just keep on muscling. You got seasons in life. You got times in life. You're like, yeah, I know the, okay, I got the kids. And we're like, come here. I do this, this thing with Lucy where I've got my trying to get out to the truck because you can't take two trips. It's hard to take two trips with a two-year-old, by the way, but I take Lucy to uh, the sitter uh, in the morning, but I'll have her diaper bag. And then I've got Lucy because if she all of a sudden wants to be up, walking is not going to be an option. All of a sudden her legs broke apparently. So I've got her up here and then I got my briefcase. And if I've got something else I need to, to take to church and I'm going out to the truck, you know, like this, when it just take another trip. It'd be nice if I had a wheelbarrow. I'll just take it out to the truck and, and, and dump it in or whatever it is. But, you know, if you're a parent, you understand what, what, what's going on there, right? But that's how we are in life. We just continue like, oh, throw it on, throw it on. I'll take care of it myself. What praying continuously means is when we take something, we go, hey, God, could you, could you carry this? Hey, oh, God, could you carry this? The temptation is to throw it on our back. But praying continually is, God, I need you to carry this load. There's so many emotional baggage things that we continue like, God, could you give that back? I really want to carry that rock. Thanks. I like that rock. It fits good right here. Right? We, we continually do that. But praying continually is always, God, could you carry this for me? Could you carry? Because you don't have to be in the state of, I think we sometimes we like praying continuously. That's weird. I'm not, I, how could I have a conversation with somebody else? I got to work sometime, Jared. I got to do these things. No, no, no. It's just a state of attitude of God here. This came on me. I need to give it back to you about everything. Whether that's family matters, work matters, financial matters. We continually just keep on giving it back to God. Does that make sense? Okay. Hopefully that will lighten your load a little bit. The method that we've seen uh, gets real popular is the push method, right? Pray until something happens. Uh, Pray until something happens. And she kept on praying to the Lord, and Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli was very confused by this. I want to be very clear about this type of prayer. Pray until something happens. The what's going to happen might be something that happens in your heart. We think, oh, I'm going to pray. I'm going to badger God until he gives me what I want. Maybe that worked when you were a teenager to your dad. That's not how this works, okay? It's like knocking on the door. I got a 
middle picture of Sheldon, right, going on in Big Bang Theory. But we're just going to keep on annoying God until he gives me what I want. That's not what's going to happen either. That's not a push prayer. A push prayer is I'm going to pray until something happens. Just be expectant that something will happen. But the expectancy might be your heart might be shaped. Because if your posture is that of God, I want to be in a place that you're in authority, that you are in control, that you are the God of creation, that very easily it could be that what you're praying about, you go, I don't really even care about that anymore. That's not a deal for me anymore. I'm okay if this happens and I'm okay if that happens and I'll, I'll get through if this happens. That doesn't mean it doesn't cause stress. That doesn't mean it doesn't uh, cause some, some heartache, but something's changing in me in which I can, I can survive this. There uh, recently, you guys have been walking with my family through uh, my mom being sick. And my mom's always sick. It's a constant, uh, constant in my life. But my mom's leg stuff's really been he- weighing heavily on me. My mom's had an open wound for three years now, and it's just a big mess on her on her leg. And um, praying through that's been really tough. It's like God, uh, is this line dead? <laughs> like, yo, just praying, praying, and praying. And for some reason, a couple of different. Um, scriptures kept on coming into my mind. One is when, when Jesus says, Hey, um, come follow me to a guy. And the guy says, well, let me go bury my parents. And Jesus says, no, just go ahead and come follow me now. I'm like, I I don't like this, where this message, where this, where this is going. I don't want to, what, what are you, what are you trying to tell me? But for some reason that keeps on coming up into my head, just being gut level honest with you all as well. Because I think what Jesus is trying to tell me is I got that under control. You follow me because there's nothing physically I can do to heal my mom's leg. I I don't, I don't have that power. Really be awesome. If I got, if that would be, I would zap that. Okay. I'm going to zap some of yours guys's too. Okay. I'll share. I don't have that power. But what I can do is follow God with everything I am today and tomorrow and, and trust him with the, 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 the other stuff. Is that hard? Absolutely. Now, two months ago, when God first started putting that scripture on my heart, I'm going to tell you what, I didn't want to say very nice things to God. I can be mouthy with God, too. He still loves me. And maybe you need to hear that this morning, that you're in the middle of something where you're like, I'm praying God and I'm hearing some stuff back from you. Like, I don't really like that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But if we have the right posture, now we can start to have our attitudes start to be shaped. Because I know what, when I first heard that from God, I didn't have the right posture. I was like, no, no, no. You missed the part where you were going to take care of it. Right? Right? And some of you got serious stuff in your life as well. And I totally understand that. It might be a marriage thing. It might be a financial thing. It might be a parent thing. It might be a kid thing. I get it. But if we're going to commit to praying until something happens, be ready and be open and have the the authenticity and the moldability. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to go with it. The moldability of your heart to let what needs to change be your own heart as well. Now, if stuff happens and the leg situation gets worse, I got to still remember that you know what? My first responsibility is to follow after God. He's got her life. He's got her health. I'm pointing downstairs because she's 
down there right now if you don't know that she's teaching. I can hear her voice. It's sometimes really hard to preach when you can hear your mama's voice, uh, by the way. But pray until something happens. That might be, be honest with yourself, that might be something that needs to happen in your own heart, not just the situation that you see. Do you hear that? Because I so want to be the control freak and be like, God, I need you to just take care of these issues. Don't you see how everything would be better? And he said, yeah, I can see how it, that works in your head. But I got a, bitter, a bigger plan. I got better for you. I got more for you. And if we come to a God with the right posture, with the right attitude, he starts to shape our hearts in ways that we never could imagine. If we truly are going to go follow after him, we have to be willing to put everything else aside to be molded by the master. Let's pray this morning. Ben, come on up. God, thank you so much for today. And thank you for the opportunity to be molded by you, God. Lord, I, I pray for uh, this church and our attitudes as we try to come in contact with you, as we try to have the right attitudes when we pray. Uh, Lord, that maybe for the very first time, people in this room would start to actually pray, to start this, this new adventure of talking to you, that know that their words matter, that their attitudes matter, that you long to hear their voice, that you love them so much, you'll listen to anything they have to say. And God, that we would rest in the fact that you are a God who loves us and cares for us. And Lord, we ask you to be with us and to guide us and to, to walk with us through that. Lord, will you show us your love in some miraculous way this week? That we hear your voice, maybe in the quiet or in the loud. That we see your, your face in the sunshine. Or we know your presence in a calming rain. Lord, that you would show us your face. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's teaching. If you have any questions or comments, shoot an email to office at scog.com. To continue to support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ, you can give online at scog.com or through the app. See you next week.